0: there is more going on than you know, there are unseen universal forces at work. The law of attraction is just one universal law that plays a part in shaping your reality. But there's so much more to know. If you knew how to engage all the universal forces, you could deliberately create the life of your dreams. Joshua, a group of non-physical teachers, explains the laws of the universe and how the mechanisms of physical reality actually work. They are channeled by Gary Temple Bodley. And each week, Gary and a group of students discuss how they are affecting and enhancing their lives every single day. This is the expansion of the Law of Attraction. This is the Teachings of Joshua Roundtable. We're thrilled you're here.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Law of Attraction Roundtable. I'm your host, Gary Temple Bodley, and with with me today is a very special guest, a fascinating person, is Dr. Tony Gallardi. Uh, Dr. Gallardi is an astrologist, an author, a speaker, and her great intention in his life is to help people shift into understanding their soul's purpose, which is something we talk about a lot on this show and she has a new version of a book she wrote 10 years ago. The new version is called The Lifequake Miracle, and I'm pleased to have her here. Welcome, Dr. Tony, how are you?
2: Lovely to be here, Gary.
1: It's so exciting to have you here, and so we're actually on, this is um, May 9th, and we're just starting the phase one of opening where we are here in North Carolina, and you've just recently moved to Asheville. How are you liking Asheville?
2: love it yeah it's you know the people are lovely um, it's a very different culture than California for sure uh, yeah. but there are a lot of Californians here so
1: you know it's like if you want to live in North America and there's certain hot spots that I I'm seeing now and of course everyone's you know Southern California is where so many people move to but there seems to be an exodus out of, out of uh, la and and mm-hmm. San Francisco and they're all Coming to where you know we found North Carolina is like this halfway point between New York and Florida. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of people move from New York to Florida and then back, and then to North Carolina, and they those people are called halfbacks. I don't know if you've heard
3: uh-huh. that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> they moved halfway back.
3: Yeah. You know? oh, yeah. Good. Um,
1: so we're we were talking a little bit before the show started, and let's just dive into maybe the astrological significance of what's happening with COVID right now and this transition we all seem to be going through from like an old approach to life to sort of a new uh, reality. What do you see in the stars?
2: So uh, for about two years now, I have been... Uh, preparing the people who are on my list, my email and social media feed for this time. We didn't know what it was, how it was going to show up. I thought it was going to be a wall street crash again, Mm -hmm. you know, but the, but as this has unfolded, it couldn't be any more perfect for as, as tragic as part of this is um, it couldn't be any more perfect for what mother earth has needed. And mm. has called out for. So about two years ago, we started, most astrologers started looking at this configuration of these three planets all lining up in Capricorn, Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto, coming into conjunction for the first time in recorded history. Um, we've gone back and we've seen uh, at the time of ancient when, when ancient Babylonia was actually formed, and a lot of laws were codified that. Have influenced modern society um, there was a close but not as close conjunction of this so we know that because Capricorn governs society and it also governs the career house and the archetype of the father and one's you know soul purpose and mission in life those are all the dimensions of the energy of Capricorn so when uh, I'm going to take these like one at a time Pluto, which is the big powerhouse planet here in, that's involved, especially in the U S chart mm. because Pluto going into Capricorn would, would mean because it's the planet that rules death and transformation. Uh, if you, d- if you give in Roman mythology, where these, this is, was extracted from where the astrological, you know, um, mythology came into being through, through Roman mythology. We know that the god Pluto rules the underworld and the shadow. He rules addiction. He rules everything. He rules the mafia. He rules mm. everything that's hidden and dark, you know, um, and unseen. So things that are shame-based. Sometimes it can be to just take that planet for a minute as it applies. Because I'm I'm passionate about helping people find their soul purpose. Is That it can be that what's in the underworld, and I've been working with a lot of people recently where this is true, what's in the underworld that is actually shame-based is their creativity. Mm -hmm. I've had a number of clients come to me who came from upper middle class backgrounds where it was not okay to major in art, okay? Yeah. They had powerhouse fathers saying, are you kidding me? (laughs) That's not okay, as opposed to the baby boom generation, who in the 60s, many of them were like majoring in things like French literature right. and, and, you know, art history, n- with no as to what they were going to do with it. But this uh, the next generation of Generation X and the millennial generation had a much more pragmatic, you know, parents who were going, you know, that doesn't really work. So you really have to get a business degree or whatever. Cut to 20 years later, when they come to see me, it's their suffering because they didn't get to express their genuine creativity. So this is one way where everything gets shoved down into the Plutonian realm. And how it shows up in the shadow is as addiction. Mm. Someone isn't getting their dopamine fix through their work, you know, joy and uh, exhilaration through their work. So they're turning to either social media, to alcohol, to drugs, to food, you know, as a way of um, trying to feel fulfilled. Right. Quite quickly. So Pluto rules this very. But when we do the work, and I tell people this, having being trained as a Jungian psychotherapist, when you do the work, and Jung was an astrologer, uh, when you do Pluto's when you do Pluto's bidding is that you go into the underworld and you do the work on your shadow of discovering what your talents are, what what is it that, um, that you've disowned in yourself that needs to be really looked at, belief systems that have been limiting you. When you do that work with Pluto, he's also the god of wealth. Mm. So when we become aligned with what we are really here to do, and we do all that excavation work to bring ourselves into what I call the holy self, w h o l y right whole e self that when this work is done you you can out of what seems like um uh, an unpractical choice you know career wise and we know from looking if you look at linkedin you can see everything you can imagine people are creating coaching programs out of right yeah um, so there it's all about what you're what you believe in what you can have passion around and then putting a structure in place to make it happen. So this planet is playing a huge role in society because at the time of the, the US chart was on you know July 4th 1776 when we became an independent republic this this country became ruled by it's interesting because the astrological sign is cancer mm-hmm. on the US chart. Oh. Um, and Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson were both astrologers and they actually chose, they were gonna they were gonna do it the the signing of the declaration on July 2nd and because of the astrological configuration of what they wanted the mandate of of the of what our purpose was meant to be for the world, you know they chose july 4th 1776 at around eight thirty in the morning something like that wow. and what that did was it gave the u.s chart a sagittarius rising which rules foreign countries broad vision traveling uh, it rules publishing it rules that you know having a big vision it rules also spiritual philosophy higher consciousness um higher education so it, to give our to give this country like a wide vision of the world, then the moon in the U.S. chart is in Aquarius. So Aquarius rules humanity. It rules um, uh, nonprofit organizations, charitable giving. You know, so being the humanitarian for the world. And look, look if you look at the Statue of Liberty, you see such an iconic archetype for this chart. Right. which is what does what does what does she say give me your you know disenfranchised mm-hmm. right you know and everybody came to america <laughs> flooded to america since yeah. 1776 um so and what's interesting is that in that same chart pluto was in capricorn at 27 degrees capricorn now so, yes, let, me let me just let me just finish this one thought and then okay. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. answer you um Pluto transit is a 250-some odd year transit, so this is the first time Pluto is coming back around to the, to the position it was at at the signing of our you know our, our birth you know the birth of the U.S. chart. Right. Okay. So this is part of what it is. It's de- just like we separated from England and from all the co- the co- colonial mentality and birthed a new society that has to happen again something had to collapse the society as we know it because it was false it was no longer viable you know it was it was already dying
1: yes yeah and the interesting thing about the pluto the wealth in concert with the shame and if you look at yeah. america the wealthiest country but also the most repressed possibly in yeah. the western hemisphere
2: no no question.
1: And you say that this is going to come around again around November.
2: So what's interesting about this is we'll have the uh, and and let me just say this first is that it hasn't come all the way. It came within in March when everything just went. You know, we we had the lockdown started. Okay, that's when Pluto went came within two degrees mm. of of exactitude. It will not come back until exactitude of the of the charts you know, return from when it what you know in 1776 until next march that's why ah. that's why from an astrological point of view we're in the, for a a haul here you yeah. know so it's so interesting my uh, my tech who handles all my zoom stuff is you know has a big position executive in a, a uh, in silicon valley and she was telling me that the that there's a prediction right now and this is not astrological this is coming from mainstream society that we're we're in for a three year run, and I said, "Now isn't that interesting?" Because yeah. that's completely coordinates with the the when Pluto will fully fully go through this Pluto return for the U.S. chart. So the next uh, uh, and last time that we will have this lineup of Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto will be in November wow. of this year. Of, of this year,
1: which seems to obviously coordinate with the election.
2: And flu season.
1: <laughs> and flu season, right? This exactly when they're saying the next wave of this is going to happen in fall. Right. Yeah. Wow. And so, what's the three-year run? Do you think?
3: What do
2: you mean? What? what well, is
1: they predicted there's we're in for a three-year
2: that we're not going to see society um, returning to whatever is the new normal
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, for three years. Mm, so. Interesting. Um, there's you know the the country the world is in trauma you know yeah we've returned to we have not seen this level of unemployment from i just read a statistic in a hundred years right you know um we're at the level of what it was during the great depression um which was you know if you go back to 1939 you know before that 1929 when the when it the crash began um we haven't seen these kind of numbers, 15% unemployment already, yeah. already, you know.
1: Now, it's interesting because except for a very vocal super minority, there hasn't been a lot of, you know, protests and things like that. But there has been a lot of uh, conspiracy theories and videos that have been removed from, from YouTube. Right. In fact, one of my videos got removed from YouTube, first mm-hmm. time ever. And it's interesting that, uh, you know, that we're all looking now very alertly for who we can trust to mm-hmm. give us information.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: we're, we're starting to rethink, you know, if you were to go back 50 years, we'd all be completely trusting in Walter Cronkite. Right. And then, and then we're, we're coming through now where people are getting on the internet and the older people, the younger people look at him going, we can't believe you fell for that scam or right. internet scam because they don't trust you know what's just coming popping up, but now we're not trusting Fox, we're not trusting CNN, we're not trusting right. possibly New York Times, uh, and we're not now we're also seeing that that YouTube and Google because of their DNA of their business model is restricting access to alternative ideas,
3: mm-hmm.
1: not because it's a conspiracy, but because it you know they just. Have a—they're just you know big enough now, and and they—they're trying to do good. I—I'm imagining, but there's so much there to process that they can't do it all manually. It has to be automated into some form. But but now we're learning that we don't need to trust all these outside sources we once held in such high regard that we can question everything.
3: Mm-hmm. This is yeah. true.
1: Yeah. Okay. So the book is. The Life Quake Miracle, and this is really interesting because all of Joshua's work is about is about realizing that the old approach to life that people are in, following the American dream, trying to achieve status and success, and you know relationships, all to prove worthiness. Eventually, if people keep going down that path, which is against what their soul's purpose really is. The soul's purpose in general is to you know go out and travel this journey of authenticity to, to discover what you came here to explore, what your soul's purpose is. But if you're trying to control the conditions and trying to achieve something in order to, th- to feel good, a lot of people like myself went through this disaster and then emerged like a phoenix and had to leave everything behind and then started approaching life differently, which led to this amazing life that I have now. And it seems like that's what the book is about.
2: Yeah. What a life quake is, is the soul waking up to the next level of its evolution, which is what makes it distinct from a a crisis, even a global crisis. We are in a global life quake. There's no question. But the book um, is a seven stage model for the individual, to walk them through, to give them a, what I call a lifequake repurposing roadmap. So that in each stage of this model, you're, you're told, you're shown, you know, tools for how to negotiate your lifestyle, your health, what is going to show up. Because the ultimate thing that's going on here is we're evolving into a new species. Right. And so what this lifequake model is about is helping the individual with this reconstruction of self that's going on you're morphing you're morphing into a new form you are literally going you know to use a cliche from caterpillar to liquefaction Mm
3: -hmm. to
2: butterfly and really when you think about it the fact that a you know furry bug with lots of legs this fat furry worm okay can go from being a fat furry worm with all these legs to a butterfly is is an amazing, an amazing miracle. But nature gives us the hope. It gives us the, the evidence that this is possible. So no matter what your life looks like, you know, even if you've been gorging, <laughs> because that's what a worm, you know, that's what a caterpillar does before as it prepares to morph into new form it first goes through the stage where it eats a lot yeah so for those people out there who are have been you know gorging themselves on comfort food that's fine but know that if you want your immune system to be in good working order for the next wave if it does come in the winter that that you Begin to start incorporating some healthy habits, which I include in the book. There are 15 interviews with thought influencers. So um, there is an interview with Dr. Hyla Cass out of Los Angeles, who's a functional medicine doctor, you know, integrative medicine, and she talks about within each of these stages, what are the the kind of supplements that can help based on on where that where you are in the in the model. So uh, that's what makes the life quake repurposing model different than just dealing with managing crisis. In right.
1: This so you can follow these seven steps and actually avoid total turmoil. That's right. And then move through it in grace. Yes.
2: Uh, yes. As, uh, as you've been through, you said, you know, the Phoenix Bird experience. Um, many people have, I'm sure I've had, I've had them three times over. Um, So the key, the key is from whatever you've been able to draw on in terms of previous experiences, begin looking at the most, for for example, the stage one of the model is boredom.
3: Mm. So what
2: boredom is on the emotional tone scale with ecstasy at the top and despair at the bottom, the middle transition emotion that's right in the middle is boredom.
3: Mm, When you
2: start to address your life and start looking at what is no longer working for me and begin to change it up, begin to bring in health habits, bring in relationships that are more in line with who you are now, you know, Um, a work life that's more in line with who you are now. If you do that in that first stage, you start making some adjustments. When you get to stage two which is the stage two is literally the death process of the old life. It's the beginning of, and it was for most people, this is the stage where they start self-medicating even more than they didn't in, in the boredom stage. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you choose to not see the signs that you need, your life needs to change, this death process of stage two can spiral you down into depression. Right. Right. Okay? And then what some people will do is they'll go to their doctor and get on meds Mm -hmm. you know let's just fix this baby you know and then i'll feel better again and um and that if this is a dark night of the soul that's coming if this is truly a spiritual depression that you're in it's not going to work right ultimately it will not work there is a place listen i was trained i have a phd in psychology i i know there's a place for ssri's but when it's distinctly, not where someone has had a history of chronic depression, where there is an onset and it is being sourced by a longing for a life that's truly authentic, mm-hmm. that kind of depression is not going to be fixed with SSRIs. Yes. So uh, in this stage, there are tools that I give for the individual to be able to go through. And then stage three is the, the what if you do it, consciously it's the radical severance of the old life if you don't do it consciously this is where you hit the wall Mm. this is where people who like me in my previous lives (laughs) have chose to ignore the signs that i needed to change my life and almost died right so um so there there are there is a a, a state but i want to go back to the whole pluto energy because we are now in Pluto retrograde Pluto just went retrograde until you know uh, it goes direct in I think late September early October it starts to go direct and I'll start to meet you know these planets uh, in uh, November what's really really key right now because we're going into two Venus is going retrograde in a few days Venus will be retrograde for 40 days then Right on top of Venus going retrograde, Mercury's going to go retrograde. So when you combine that with, and then Jupiter will be retrograde and Pluto will be retrograde. What that means is that it's a time to go within and reflect and look at what do I value now? What's important to me now? What are my talents? When I work with someone, uh, I always start the coaching uh, program With the um, what I call the soul blueprint reading, which is, and looking at astrologically, what what are your talents? What did you come in here to learn? And what have you already gathered from previous lifetimes? You know, why a child would be able to play a concerto at five? You know, that's a bleed-in from previous lifetimes of, of strengths and talents. So we can see that. We can also see health weaknesses. And health strengths by looking at the natal chart of an individual, Mm. Um, and timing, and that's really critical. So, meaning, you know, most people who do straight career coaching are going to, you know, have a program of finding your talents, whatever. But there's a timing to things. There, there have been times where I've looked at someone's chart and I've said, "This is not the year for you to be doing anything that you don't already know how to do. This is a year of just inner development." For example. And then there are, there's a contrast. I have a client right now who's working for a wealth management company, not really excited, doesn't want to do it anymore. And when I looked at her chart, her chart was like green-lighted for us beginning to move her out into something else. You right. know, some great uh, advan- advantageous transits were coming that would allow her to actually be able to engage with more passive income. And mm. she had a working hard mentality. And so mm. one of the things that we're going to be working on is, is transmuting and clearing through energy work that old, you know, what they call, you know, in, in Sanskrit, samskara, uh, an imprint from a previous life that would have you keep doing the same thing over and over again in the same way. Excellent. So her lesson was to learn how to be able to um, develop assets that she could live on passive income so that she could then develop this next phase of her life. Ah. So it all depends on the individual, you know, in terms of that's why I don't have a cookie cutter, you know, program.
1: But doesn't it seem like this whole lockdown is giving, is the cocoon and giving everyone a chance to go within now.
2: If they choose to, if they choose to.
1: What I've also noticed though, is that everyone around me, including myself is no longer desiring to be that productive. And we're just having fun more and just doing puzzles and cooking and you know not going out we're staying at home not because we can't go out because we can hear easily it's just that you know we're bringing people together and and I'm not so like 10 hours a day on the computer and having all these calls like today even i pretty much laid in bed until now it's noon to have this conversation with you which is crazy for me but I'm just really relaxing into it, understanding that this seems to be part of the whole dynamic.
2: What I would say to that, though, is that that is not true for a lot of people, Gary. Mm. There are people out there in trauma because they've lost substantial income. My poor hairdresser here in Asheville, you know, has two children and to support, and her her business has collapsed, you know so there there's lots of people out there for whom it isn't a staycation, you know yeah, I'm not saying a staycation.
1: I'm sort of saying like I am usually filled with inspiration and and uh and desire to get to it you know and to produce and to because it's for me it's blissful and fun it's my passion yeah, and this time has been sort of a reset for even for me in that and, and a lot of people that I'm working with is similar to them too it's realizing that the drive, 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 drive of their life before to be productive and to be seen as a good contributor to society is is obviously not available anymore, but they still could be productive, yet they're choosing to relax for the first time maybe in years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And this gives you more time to meditate and more time to play Mm -hmm. and do crafts and follow interests and passions and things like that, which I see a lot of people doing as well. Um, And those around me who have, you know, lost their jobs, well, they've gotten unemployment maybe for the first time in their lives and they got a stimulus check and they're not spending money like they did before because there's nothing to buy. And they really feel sort of safe in that, you know, no longer having the pressure of their last previous life. And so I'm wondering if if we can go through this in more ease and just refocus on what's truly essential, which is, like you said, the health of your body. We're thinking about that more often now. And what is what is the benefit of the health of the body is that you feel good. And isn't feeling good alignment and really this is a feeling reality, so all you're ever doing is feeling something anyway. So reprioritize your life instead of trying to achieve something in order to feel good, feel good now and then and then allow your reality to reflect how you feel and that's feeling good in your body, feeling good in your relationships and then pursuing your passions and interests. Um, and in order to do that, you really have to completely alter your belief system. So... so How do people change their beliefs to realize that their soul's purpose is this thing that's been calling them the whole time?
2: Well, first of all, I think what I experience with the clients who come to me and what I'm seeing on Facebook, I just did an interview on Gaia that aired uh, on the healing matrix uh, with Dr. Sue Mortar and the response was huge, you know. Uh, within the first four or five days, three hundred people just reached out to me personally. And there's a lot of people out there that are really hurting and really scared. Um, and so, one of the things that is the kind of foundation of the work I do, both in my book and in my programs, is uh, managing fear and mm-hmm. tools because the the impact. People don't even realize the power of their minds to influence um, both, you know, both to the to the ne- to their detriment, you know, which is part of what causes cancer and all kinds of things. You know, Absolutely. there's a department at UCLA that was formed in the '80s called the psychoneuroimmunology department. Norman Cousins um, made it pretty famous, um, and the impact of one's psyche on one's immune system is, is huge. So I really work with, you know, giving people tools for how to drop into their body and sit with and be with that fear because the fear of the unknown, when suddenly we're in between lifetimes, which is what this time is right now, we don't know what the new society is gonna look like. We don't know who's going to survive, honestly, into the new society. And so in this meantime, one of the things that I think is not just how to thrive, but honestly, actually, fundamentally how to survive in the, in the, uh, the times that we're in is um, being able to work with, create a container. And I show people how to build a container for their emotions mm-hmm. in their body, By being, you know, every, for example, one technique is what I call the emotional pulse technique, which is checking in every three hours, you know, put it on your phone so that you you get a reminder to check in every three hours. Where am I? How am I breathing? Am Mm. I shallow breathing? You know, lung capacity is huge right now. People are really understanding this. Being able to pay attention to how your, your breath is, how you're holding your body. Are you hunched over? You've been sitting in front of a computer and therefore collapsing the solar plexus energy, the heart energy, all of this, and then in the etheric body, the third chakra, that you know, all of these chakra systems are part of, of health. So taking a break, just taking a little break, pushing the computer away and just sitting with inside and going, okay, what, what do you need right now to, to that inner child? Because that's, who's being activated. You know, this isn't just about this global pandemic. This this is going to activate trauma from childhood. Right. Many, many people, you know, and if they're having family members pass, there's going to be all of that activation. You know, people are becoming orphaned, you know, I mean, even at, this age, you know, you can be an adult. I'm a, you know, a full-fledged adult and I lost my parents, not to the pandemic, but shortly before the pandemic, they died six months apart. You know, so there's all kinds of reiteration of trauma that this is bringing up from previous experiences.
1: Yeah. The checking in every so often on what you're feeling right now, because so many people are ignoring that. That sounds like that would be a brilliant app to have on your phone. Yes. You know, yes. Yes. <laughs> and then you could say, okay, how are you feeling? And you check yes. this and then say, okay, now breathe or meditate or, you know, or call a friend or something like that. That's- and
2: the other part of this is once you feel like you've been able to, to settle in and connect with that emotional plane and, and, and use the heart, you know, heart math really talks about this. Mm-hmm. Use the heart as the guide. Um, that the last piece of this kind of treatment is to then bring in the light that there is, you know, Greg Braden calls it the divine matrix. You can call it the quantum field, you know, from which everything gets created. You can call it the Christ consciousness, uh, whatever you want to call God, whatever you want to call it, your higher power.
1: Yeah. We call it your inner self.
2: Okay. So bringing that energy that you know what i call the full potential self into your heart you know just filling it your heart up with light just just allowing your crown chakra to open and allow a golden column of light i have Mm -hmm. exercises on a cd that i created you know for the lifequake repurposing method um that helps guide someone into an individual who for whom it may be hard to do by themselves through this exercise of bringing that golden light in and calming the brain and central nervous system down and then bringing it and anchoring it into the heart. And this is how alchemy starts happening. The alchemy comes from both breath work and connecting to this kind of new evolutionary species, which is oneness consciousness.
1: Right. Well, we do a lot of work with beliefs, Beliefs are neither true or false. They're either empowering or limiting. Right. And we all have these limiting beliefs that we adopted along the way, mostly in childhood. Uh, we come into physical reality. We're perfect the day we're born. And we are that soul's purpose personified as a human. And then we adopt these limiting beliefs that we're told we're not good, we're bad, just because those around us are feeling fear and they want to control us so they don't, we don't hurt ourselves so they don't feel fear. But we adopt these beliefs, which are part of the process, and create this trajectory to come to, you know, listening to the show right now or wherever you're ready to find your soul's purpose. And then from that point, we chart this new course of self discovery where we understand that we have the soul's purpose, yet we also understand that we have these limiting beliefs. So part of this is proving to yourself that your limiting beliefs are not true. They're just limiting and they give rise to fear whenever those beliefs are triggered. Mm -hmm. It seems like that, um, you know, there's the, the understanding that of oneness instead of duality is based on a belief system that, that we have all taught, you know, feel like we're individuals and taught that we're, need to preserve ourselves and we need to be seen as good and worthy and all that stuff. And so we try and control conditions in order to get that. But it's a perception of reality that isn't true. The perception of the individual is not the true reality. The true reality would be the oneness consciousness that you're talking about, that they're all, that we're all one and we're all going through this together, but from unique perspectives. And so uh, the change that I see occur in people is when they can start to talk about those limiting beliefs, find the limiting beliefs, and then and then prove to themselves that those limiting beliefs are false, and then embrace more beneficial beliefs. How does bel- uh, the belief system work, though? As in your training, what have you learned about belief systems?
2: Well, most of them are subconscious. Okay. Yeah. Why I work with the dream time, why I was trained as a Jungian too, because 90% of what's really going on is subconscious. And so how my clients really reveal to me what's really, what we need to work on Uh um, is through dream recall. So even Uh. people have never been they will say, I don't dream, which of course everybody dreams, but they just don't necessarily recall your dreams. Yes. So teaching, giving people tools for how to begin remembering their dreams um, will, if you, you know, so choose if you aren't working with an actual therapist and you're just, you know, working on your own, simply by recording your dreams and recording the emotional tone from scene to scene of your dreams will start to tell you, show you what your beliefs are. Yes. That are holding holding you back. Also, and this is you know uh, very important in the Lifequake repurposing uh, map, is that uh, what dreams can also provide are clues to the future. I've been mm-hmm. given so much information. One of you know which was you know three different key dreams to leave California. Mm-hmm. Given you know that uh, there was going to be a stealth bug sprayed all over California. And, um, and it was shown to me, it looked like an insect Uh and or what I perceived was an insect and was told this insect was literally um, boarding air force one. And I was still in California and was conflicted about leaving, but was being given messages to, to leave California. And then that was the final dream was I was told this is a stealth bug. It's going to be sprayed um, on California get out. Wow. And this time I listened. There were times in my life in the past when I was given little nudges from the angelic realm and didn't listen and almost died. Mm. This time I listened. I didn't know what the dream meant. Now, of course, we're dealing with a
1: bug. Yeah. A virus. Wow. You know. um, dreams, for me, the last three months, I've been really having different level dreams. And and when I wake up, I can remember a little bit of it. And as I play around with that little bit, I can remember it expands, almost like an accordion opening up. Mm-hmm. And I get the whole dream. And I understand the emotional thing that I was going through in the dream. And some of them are so fascinating. And last night, my dream was finding a bunch of money under the table, tons and tons of money wrapped up in wads that felt like it fell out of someone's pocket, but I was scooping it up and, and trying to hide that. I found it, you know, and it's like this, this money belief that I might have here that that money is not mine. You know, that it belongs to someone else could be seen as a limiting belief around money. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm getting all these ones at a level that I've never experienced before in my life. Um, my mother passed away and I had a reading from a friend and said that my mother was going to come to me in my dreams to help guide me. And I really feel that lately. It's fascinating. So another thing was when I lost everything in 2008, prior to that, about a year prior, I had these every single night recurring plane crash dreams where I was at a plane, the plane crashed and I survived. I was fine. Mm-hmm. And, and looking back, it always seems like, well, here's coming a crash. You're going to be in this crash, but you'll be fine.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But <laughs> I couldn't figure it out back then, and now that I'm paying more attention to these dreams, I think I might have seen that in
3: this. Yeah.
2: So the paradigm that we have been in is one in which we've needed to crash and burn to learn from, okay? Um, that That the paradigm of duality, what it has taught us, is this is a you know classroom down here, yes, and we need to have these really challenging things happen to us in order to wake us up and learn, and go deeper, um, and and evolve basically. That um, I think little by little, people are beginning to understand what is what is considered sixth not fifth, sixth dimension reality.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And sixth dimension reality is one in which the light and the dark just simply work together. They, right. There is no good and bad, good and evil, whatever. It is yes. simply that it is being utilized just as, and I see this global pandemic as a glowing example of that, right. in that here is, if indeed it is a pandemic. Um, and this was there is some kind of massive plan by some group of you know political authorities. If all of that is true, what is still also true is Mother Earth has been given a break. Mm-hmm. Okay. As a result of us, we had to be stopped because we were not narrowing our carbon footprint. Nobody really listened to Al Gore in 2006. When he said we're not going to survive look at what's happening in iceland in greenland you know blah 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 no one was listening really we'd recycled a little you know but we had to be really stopped and in our our tracks so this is an example of how the light and the dark work together right uh if the if we don't hear the message from our angelic beings or a higher version of ourself existing in a parallel universe giving us messages from the quote unquote future to go this way or to go that way or do this, such as, as you had a dream, you know, we can actually change things up if we listen to those dreams. Yes. But if we don't, then we have to do the crash and burn, you know, mode of, of of evolving.
1: What is your definition of awakening?
2: I think awakening is relative. I think it. it. I think it, there is a way to awaken, and that's why I give examples in my book of people who just were told, got a message, and I'll give you an example of somebody who awakened in a very, very gentle, uh, easy kind of way, and that is Martin Root, who was the editor uh, for the Chicken Soup of the Working Soul book,
3: mm-hmm. Soul
2: at Work, Chicken Soup of the Soul at Work book, and then he wrote a book called Project Heaven on Earth, and that's been his... His mission is to bring the consciousness of heaven on earth to the planet. And when they were living in LA, they're from Toronto originally, they were living in LA and he and his wife got a message in the dream time to leave Los Angeles, like now. Mm. And they literally packed up their bags and were gone within two weeks. Three days after they left, the Northridge earthquake hit. Oh, wow. So um, there are messages that we can get. There are people who got messages to not get on United 93. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, And we're not on that plane. And then someone, a producer at Gaia told me recently that she said when they've tracked, which I thought was interesting, when they've tracked major plane crashes over the past, since we've been, you know, the past 50 or so years, about 20% cancellation mm-hmm. of those flights have occurred, um, which is unusual, you yeah. know? And well, I would so- say that's
1: true of um, terrorist attacks. You know, the World Trade Center right. had far fewer people than normal. I was in that building when, when I was younger, and there were 3,000 people in the lobby. You know, it's, mm-hmm. there were far fewer people there. And in school shootings, there's far more absences than normal show up. It's interesting, yeah.
2: People who don't even know it on an unconscious level, but are more tuned in, you know. Um, The the day before 9-11, I I couldn't get off my sofa. I was in a fetal position on my sofa. I I felt death all around me. I thought someone in my life Mm. was about to die. And the same experience I experienced right, right before the Northridge earthquake, I started to feel this like pressure on my chest for the previous day. Like I thought, oh my god, I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack. I kept feeling this pressure. At 4:30 in the morning, when that earthquake hit, it was like I burped. Wow! You know, literally, um, I was probably one of the only person in on, in Los Angeles that felt relief when the earthquake hit. Uh-huh. So there are ways for us to be tuned in. If you are doing work that you're connected to your body on a daily basis. If you're eating high vibration food, if you're meditating, mm-hmm. if you're d- doing a dream journal, all of these things enhance intuition.
1: Right. That's brilliantly said. Do you think that astrologically speaking, that this is the time of awakening or is no it? No question. Okay, good. And is there a certain You know, what I've been saying is when the secret came out is when I got interested in live attraction. And that was the beginning of my awakening. Then I found Abraham Hicks and then Joshua came through me. And that's been a 10-year, 12-year process. And as I remember, my first Abraham workshop was in Asheville, actually. And at that time, it was 99% Americans. There was one person from another country, and she was a young woman from England. And she said, if I brought this stuff back to England, they would laugh. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing that the UK and France and uh, Northwestern Europe are just coming in like gangbusters. This podcast is being listened in those areas faster growing than anywhere else. And it's like this huge uh, new, you know, rush to this information is coming right now. Mm -hmm. And do you see, is this part of the evolution? And is there something more do you think that's coming?
2: Oh no. Well, no question. I just think that what what I'm encouraged by in terms of the whole concept of awakening, you know, the subtitle of the lifequake miracle is awakening to your true purpose in times of personal and global upheaval. Mm -hmm. And and that title was chosen before any of this happened. Wow! You know? um, and so I believe that, that if we, there's all these people watching zoom classes and spiritual, you know, um, uh, courses, taking spiritual courses of, of other, if enough people awaken in, in this way at this time that we are cocooning, I don't think it has to be a harsh you know, uh, you know. Let's take half the planet off, half the people off the planet. Right. As much as people are looking at numbers, let me tell you something. When there's been an evolutionary shift throughout history, it, it's it's been massive. This is nothing compared to oh, what yeah. has <laughs> been in the past. You know. So if enough people, because this has been going on, people have been awakening now for thirty years, thirty or forty years in in terms of masses. You know, and to to use England to the UK, this is where some of the greatest mystics were hanging out mm. in London. Madame Blavatsky at the turn of the twentieth century. You know, uh, some of the greatest astrologers came out of of, of London. You know, mm. and still do. <laughs> so,
3: yeah. Go yeah. ahead.
1: Yeah. Okay. And so, this is another interesting subject. Now, I've never really been interested in the subject, but from what I'm hearing from a lot of other channels that there's this possibility of aliens coming around now Mm -hmm. as, and and we just saw the release of the Pentagon of the three uh, videos that they have, that they, that they released and classified as, you know, they term it something else, but as UFOs. Um, And I've never been, you know, I find if they do, if they don't, I'm, I always thought that crop circles were a real thing and that there seems like that it would be a thing. Do you see anything in that aliens coming or anything like that happening?
2: I they've been coming since, you know, that we know of since 1947. Yeah. When the atomic bomb went off, you know, in 1945, this set, this sent, you know, throughout the universe, There's a, a vibration. Uh-huh. And it is believed that other planets became very alarmed that we were going to basically blow ourselves up and upset the entire balance of the universe. Mm. So they began coming, but it has to do with our ability to be able to receive that. We have not been ready as humans to receive them as, even with Close Encounters of the Third Kind and films like this that have shown them as not the evil empire, you know, um, that many people ha- in the past saw, you know, alien species as being that they were going to invade planet earth in order for them to feel safe in terms of being shown in, you know, public view, it would, it would require the mass consciousness to shift and change, Yes. you know, to, to be able to see them not as the enemy. So that's, that would be my answer to that.
1: Awesome. Well, this has been such an awesome and wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Can you tell everyone where they can find you?
2: Yes. So the, um, the, my current uh, website is drtonigalardi.com, which is D-R-T-O-N-I-G-A-L-A-R-D-I.com. Or you can Google Lifequake just the word lifequake and you'll come to Dr. Tony Ghilardi. Um, Then my new book, the lifequake miracle is coming out in June. There will be a website, lifequake.com connected to that, you know, to that book.
1: That's wonderful. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Tony Gallardi. I've really enjoyed this conversation and I'd love to talk to you again in the future. Enjoy Asheville and say goodbye to everyone.
3: Goodbye,
2: everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to find us on Facebook, we have a private group just for Joshua listeners. It's called The Friends of Joshua, so just search that in Facebook and ask to join and we'll add you. Also, if you'd like to help us spread Joshua's teachings, the very best way you can do that is to leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. Also, If you can subscribe to the podcast, that would help a lot. We're ranking higher and higher each week as we go forward. And this is really how people find us. So thanks for everything you do. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Teachings of Joshua Roundtable. Remember, you are loved more than you can imagine by more than you could ever count. We'll see you next week.